I really am uh, grateful for everybody for coming tonight. Uh, the reason I'm using a mic is because I wanted to tape this. Uh, welcome to Vision Dinner. Uh, and we didn't do this in, in December, which is our custom, so we're glad to be back during uh, the beginning of the year meeting again. Uh, I do, do think uh, this is an important time for our church, uh, particularly an important, this, this meeting, I mean, is an important time in, every month in the life of our church. I do think it's of particular importance during this season for our church and so I really do appreciate you making uh, being here a priority. Uh, if you're a community group leader or just a leader in general, I would just use this, a moment just to say, please uh, help us by doing everything you can to try to encourage people to come uh, because it's easier for us to be on the same page. We don't have a lot of forums like this, uh, you know, and so for us to have this ready-made thing, uh, you know, is very helpful. Uh, to talking about some of the things that are going on in the church. And that's what we typically use this time for, is to talk about some of the various, you know, aspects of ministry that are happening among us, and that's what I want to do tonight. I'd like to to share a little bit about a vision that we've been talking about for a long time around here, uh, but that is really beginning to take, take shape in very practical ways, uh, and I just wanted to give some time to that tonight. So we're going to talk about Heart for Winter Haven, and, and uh, I know you've heard something about that. Uh, I'm going to talk for a little bit about kind of my dream and idea uh, that that really was behind a lot of that, and then I'm going to let Brad come and just answer any questions and maybe fill in some of the gaps that I might leave as far as uh, what we really want to see happen. So, uh, again, thanks for coming. Thanks for being here, and I really, we're, we're like, because we're a small crowd, it's 6.30, we're on time, all that's great. So, thanks. Thanks for doing that for us. Uh, if you see this, uh, these pages that I, I passed out to you on the first page, again, I think it's just um, important for us to revisit as often as we possibly can. Uh, the reason why we started the church to begin with, and you'll see that in our mission statement there, this is what, what, what we have been called and sent by God to do. This is why we're here, and the way we articulate that is that our mission is to make Jesus' invisible kingdom visible in Winter Haven, Polk County in the world, and this will require that we be a praying community of Jesus' disciples, and then you'll notice this line that I've added here of late, gathered in multiple congregations throughout the city who embody the truth of the gospel and spread the gospel in both word and deed. One people sharing life together, a holy people telling the story of our salvation, and a people on mission serving our neighbors. Now, uh, that's wordy, I know, and it's okay. Uh, but so we added this vision statement, and by vision we mean this is the kind. These are the kinds of things that we believe will begin to happen if we're faithful to our mission. This is what it would look like. As we begin to chip away at this thing we believe God's called us to do, okay? The first thing is, is that we begin to see gospel community happen. And, and we believe that the promise of the gospel is a new people. People who are rightly related to God and to one another and who participate in his ongoing work in the world. And I really do think, I thought about this some today, really, uh, six and a half years in now, or whatever it is, I'm not six, just about six years in, that really is about all the work that we've been able to accomplish in the first six years. It's just establishing that sense of gospel community, uh, establishing an identity for ourselves in this building, in the city, the rhythm of gathering on Sunday mornings together at 9.30, and community groups and those sorts of things. So I do think it's taken all of the first six years to really accomplish um, that first bit. But we not only see, we not only believe what we would see is people really discovering community and, and, and deepening and intimacy and relationship with one another, but we'd also begin to see gospel transformation happening. And so we believe the promise of the gospel is also new hearts. In other words, people's lives supernaturally changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So as people begin to 
experience community and live together around the gospel, uh, what we believe is that the gospel will begin to take root and there will be, there'll be uh, greater obedience, greater faith, uh, greater conformity to the image of Jesus, that people will be growing in their proficiencies uh, in discipleship, that they will be becoming fully mature Christian people. See, the expectation is very clear, gospel transformation in the hearts of the people who come here. And what we believe is, is as we begin to see and experience gospel transformation in our own lives and in our church at large, what we think the end of that would be is what we call gospel multiplication. So the last thing we, we say there is we also believe that the promise of the gospel is the new city. And here's how we describe that. Uh, a movement of churches and ministries, don't miss that, churches and ministries that will change Winter Haven in the world. And so one of the things that we knew is that if God would be faithful to what he says in his word, that when we planted this church, we knew that the needs of the city of Winter Haven, even a, a city as, as small as ours is, 100,000 people or whatever it is, that we knew that one church was not enough uh, to meet those needs. And so we knew that God would have to use our church to multiply into numerous churches, but not only churches, but also ministries as well. So the, the totality of our mission strategy is not church planting in Winter Haven. It is to see churches, but alongside of churches, strategic ministries being birthed out of our church to, to, in response to particular physical needs in the city. Does that make sense? Hello. Uh, nobody. Good. You can, mm-hmm, yeah, kind of, no... Okay, so just we talk. A lot, I, I stop at that point because we talk so much about church planting uh, that we can miss the reality of what we also want to see happening is is um, is ministries, both ministries within our church, but ministries that exist outside of our church that are in the city to do work specifically related to, to needs that that we become aware of. Okay, and Heart for Winter Haven is kind of one attempt at that. It's maybe the first attempt. Uh, having a comprehensive strategy for that, which is why I wanted to put that there. So we're excited because God is beginning to do this, right? I mean, Jeff and, and, and Marissa and the core group that's going to go with them, we should be launching them, officially la- like launching them, not into a Sunday evening service the way we did in the fall, but launching them to another part of the city in, in maybe in the fall, maybe sooner than that, we don't know. But sometime this year is our goal. And I really do believe, uh, we, you know, we're doing that. While we're doing that, I, I guess I should have said this, um, we got word from the Ellswicks yesterday that they have been given clearance to buy the plane ticket to go to Nicaragua. So they have a plane ticket, and on February 2nd, we'll be leaving the country uh, to move there. And so that's a big deal. And so God's beginning to do these things. And then the third really big thing I think maybe a year ago I talked to you guys about was, uh, was our desire to initiate and start this, move, this, this work that we're calling Heart for Winter Haven. Okay? So if you turn the page with me, uh, what I want you to see is the reason, the reason in, in our mission documents there that we talk about churches and ministries is because we believe that the, Bible, that the Bible calls us to both word and deed ministry, okay? Word and deed ministry. So there's a couple of <clears throat> scripture passages that I put there for you. Matthew 4, which we just read in community Bible reading either last week or the week before, that Jesus went throughout all of Galilee, look, look teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel. So there's a word ministry. He's teaching and he's proclaiming, but then at the same time, he's healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So Jesus' ministry very clearly had this, this dual character of being word and deed. Jesus brought words, 
but he also solved physical problems and, and met people at their point of need. Okay, this, this Sunday, actually, we're going to preach from this passage in Luke chapter 4, and so it's on my mind, so I included it here. When Jesus came to Nazareth, and he uh, stood up in the synagogue on that Sunday, and he read from the prophet Isaiah about his own ministry, about who he was, and hear the words from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, right? So this word ministry of taking the gospel message to people, uh, but also he sent me to proclaim liberty to, to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So there's all of this social, political implications of his message that Jesus also is coming to do something about as well. So it's very full-orbed, uh, both word and deed ministry. And then what you see there, and then again, Paul says to the church, so this carries over into what we're called to do as well, whatever you do in word or deed. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, the reason that we have to be so intentional about a deed-based ministry strategy is because, if you follow along with me on, my, on this little thing I wrote here, is that the local particularly, and don't get, don't get upset with me for saying this, but the local particularly Protestant evangelical church. Unfortunately, the Roman Catholics still do a better job than we do at this, but the Protestant, evangelical, typical local church is heavy on word-based ministry and lacking in strategies and energies for deeds-based ministry. And I think there are a number of reasons. I just kind of came up with this in my office this afternoon, so this is not a lot of deep thinking, okay, but this is just the, the things that are right there for me. One of the reasons is, just a geographical reason, that 40 or 50 years ago, churches... Uh, started leaving city center locations and intentionally relocating to the suburbs. Uh, and, they, and, they, and so what happens is, is even where churches are situated, at least the thriving churches, in most cities in America, th- the thriving churches are not downtown churches. And really it's true even of Winter Haven, although I think maybe you know Heartland's moving in to, to downtown now. But a lot of the downtown churches are not necessarily thriving churches. The bigger city, the bigger the city, the, the truer that is. Most have moved out, and so because they've moved out, they don't—they like literally don't come in contact with the physical needs of their city without a great deal of effort and intentionality. They have to try really hard to 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 just come in contact with the need because the suburbs are nice and clean and beautiful, and everybody's got lots of money and everything's you know so nice. But there's also an identity reason. And by that I mean that the Protestant evangelical church has become too closely identified with political conservatism, which is cynical about social justice issues. And so the most important concerns that most Protestant evangelical churches have are things like good morals and family values and not the cause of the poor. And I really grieve that. I mean, I really grieve that we would become a church where people of a more liberal mindset who have a strong desire to see ministry to the poor would feel uncomfortable because we're all white middle class Republicans. I think we have to be careful about that. Uh, and, there, and that's a real problem. So it is a real problem, okay? But third thing, there's a leadership reason too, and this means that church leaders like me are trained to preach and teach the Bible. They're not trained in social work. So their expertise and, honestly, their preference is with word ministry. And so I feel terribly out of my depth uh, when it comes to, to, to this other kind of stuff that we want to see happen. I mean, you know, you want to see us squirm around here 
have the guy show up, you know, the stinky, smelly guy show up at the front door asking for money. We squirm, right? Because we don't, because typically churches just aren't set up to know exactly how to care for people like that very well. Okay, there's a practical reason. And that is that the centerpiece of the church's life together is the Sunday morning worship service, and the centerpiece of that service is the sermon. So typically pastors spend a quarter to maybe even a half of their time every week preparing for the the task of preaching and teaching, which of course leaves them with very little energy and time to pursue and to lead in these other things. There's an expectations reason that overwhelmingly what Christian consumers state to be the most important factor in their choice of a church is preaching and good teaching. So you can understand what this does. It creates an enormous amount of pressure for church leadership to spend lots of time and energy creating educational programs to meet people's expectations. Okay? And then maybe the saddest one is the last one that I mentioned, and that's the idolatry reason that deed ministry is hard, and it's time-consuming, and it's slow, and the reality is that church growth and incarnational ministry to the poor and the needy are incompatible, and so churches generally have opted for church growth. I really think that. Now, I would love to stop. I do, I do want to make sure Brad has a few minutes, but any what you, thoughts? Am I completely off base? Do you agree with me? Have I won you to just seeing how this is just hard work? Okay. Okay. So turn the page then on the back. When I say our, I mean Church of the Redeemer. Our theological vision, that is how we believe... How, how what we believe about the gospel is uniquely expressed through our ministry structures and priorities, as I began to think this afternoon, lead to a couple of action items, okay? And this is, just kind, of, this is kind of like a manifesto, if you want to say. If be, I, I like that word, so just think of it this way. And that is that first, that we are not content. And when I say we, I guess me, we, me representing we, we are not content with being uninvolved in problem-solving solutions to the physical brokenness of our city. Uh, we're not content to leave this up to the Chamber of Commerce and to PEP and to these sorts of um, agencies. A movement of the gospel in Winter Haven would have a massive spiritual and social and economic implications for the city. So we believe we have to be a part of the problem. Second, we believe that churches sincerely want to be involved in deed ministry but don't know how and are dissatisfied with their experience. So there's no mechanism for communication between churches and the deeds-based ministries in our city. So a movement of the gospel in Winter Haven would, in, would include also churches confidently working with, with other ministries and nonprofits to meet needs. Okay, thirdly, we grieve that churches across denominational theological lines are currently not working together strategically to address the problems in our city. Uh, there is no unified vision for deed ministry among the churches of Winter Haven or any kind of ministry to our city. There is no pastoral association in the city of Winter Haven where pastors are gathering together to pray for, their, for the city. And so we believe that a movement of the gospel in Winter Haven would include churches reconciled to one another, united by a common mission, and working together in deed ministry in our city. Because it's the one thing we can agree upon. Do you, do you, Right, we're not going to agree upon all the finer points theologically, but the one thing we can agree upon is that Jesus told us to go and make disciples and to go and feed the poor, clothe the naked, and do these sorts of things. And fourth, we grieve that ministries and nonprofits do not currently work together strategically, that there is little or no communication between ministries and a tremendous amount of overlap that creates competition and waste. And so a movement of the gospel in Winter Haven would include ministries and nonprofits coordinating to maximize effectiveness and deed ministry in our city. 
And our solution to all these things is what we've called Harf Winter Haven. Okay? Any questions so far for me? Does that all that make sense? I mean, it's sad. And, you know, at 39, I wish there was somebody that I could kind of follow on the heels of and try to help make this happen, but there's not anybody thinking about these things, and so we feel like we have to take the lead. Anybody, anybody, I mean, this is supposed to be kind of like, you know, dialogue. So anybody want to amen those things? Anybody want to say, have you thought about this or nothing? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we're not, I'm not claiming, we're not at all saying there's not people doing good work. What we're saying is, is though there's people doing good work, the, the connection of the churches in the city to that ministry are, are frayed, and there's a lack of communication, and the willingness for something like the mission and, and Dave Barry and those guys down there to be communicating with other people in the city to see where their, their, their services are overlapping and to produce effectiveness is something that's hindering us from really comprehensively going after some of the needs in the city. So what we would, so here's, here's my diagram. I drew this out with um, Brad the other day, and, uh, and, and I'm going to just put this up here, and then Brad, you can have the last 10 minutes and, and answer whatever questions. But here's, here's what I see the problem in, in the city of Winter Haven being, is that you have all these churches, okay, so is is what we learned if you if you're familiar with Eloise at all Brad told me this and I about hit the floor if, if you know the, the little part of our city called Eloise there are seven nonprofits all working in Eloise for 12 streets in Eloise and not a single one of them communicates with any of the other nine streets whatever it is says the man who grew up there <laughs> it's your hometown that's your hood seven nonprofits for nine streets and there's no communication, there's no cooperation between those things. So what you have is you have all these churches and all these nonprofits, and the problem is, is there's no communication. So what needs to happen is the churches need to begin to communicate with one another. You see what I'm saying? What are you guys doing? Have you thought about this? What, what, what's effective? What have you, you know, what have you found that's working? You know, how can we partner and share, you know, the burden of this kind of thing? Then you have all these nonprofits and ministries down here, and they're all base and they need to make sure they keep their support base to keep the money coming and, and there's all these all we can get into all these kinds of things and none, so what needs to happen is they begin to dialogue and talk and share and problem solve and all this kind of stuff. But then but then the problem is how do you get these churches connected to these things down here? You see what I'm saying? And so there's all this misfire and miscommunication. So what we said is what if we create a hub, right? Can 
hub of communication and volunteerism for all of the different things that are happening in our city. One place where everybody can get together and can, in a unified way, start to dream and cast vision for the kinds of things we'd like to see happen in Winter Haven. Does that make sense? That's what we envision Heart for Winter Haven being. So, for example, today we had a lunch. How many people, how many were there? Fifteen? We'll go with. So we had a lunch of 15 pastors, but also some, some uh, ministry leaders in the city uh, where we began to talk about these things. Brad is hosting a summit of nonprofits where they will come together and begin to say, you know, we're doing this. What are you guys doing? Oh, you're doing this. Great. Oh, wow, we're both doing the same thing. Well, one of the ladies today said, I'd love to know what somebody else is doing because maybe I don't need to be doing something. I'd be glad to, like, give up something if I knew somebody else was doing it instead of trying to compete. And so what we see Heart for Winter being is a thing in the city where everybody, where all the churches can come together and all the ministries and nonprofits can come together. And we can make, if so, anybody, if, if Mo over here in this church wants to volunteer and he can make a phone call here, then he can be funneled through that to the place where he would most fit in what he wants to do. You know what I'm saying? Where these two churches can say, you know what, we have a common vision for something we'd like to see done. What do we do? Well, we are going to go here, and then they're going to help us get to where we can we can begin to do the, the very thing in the city we long to see. So that's kind of the chicken scratch version. But I, we have ten minutes, and Brad, if you want to come for ten minutes and just kind of, and then maybe maybe leave two or three minutes for anybody to ask questions. And here's the thing: while he's coming, you guys are here, and so the unfortunate reality of you being here and being a small crowd is we need you to help us convey this this information. Now, let me say one thing before you come, and that is that um, Sunday Brad's going to be presenting in church, and we're going to take a special offering because uh, we do we have to fund this, uh, and so one of the ways we're going to do that is we're going to take a love a love offering. I don't know what we, um, an offering at the end of our service, which we normally don't on Sunday. So be aware of that because. Uh, things are really beginning to take shape, but we've got to continue to be faithful in trying to help help fund and resource this ministry. So be be mindful of those things. Help us communicate this to people too, though. Wow, what I've been trying to say for a year, you knocked out in an afternoon. He's so good. He's so, um, thanks, y'all. Um, this is this is the picture, um, and not only would Mo maybe volunteer, maybe Mo's in need. Um, one of the, the verses that um, struck me recently is in Galatians uh, 6.10, funny enough. Uh, so then as we have opportunity, let's do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We, within our churches, as I meet with pastors, I make those connections. And I, w- I want to talk about how I've done that and how we're going to go forward this year. Uh, but one of the things I find is a lot of the needs are right here. A lot of the needs that people have um, are coming from the churches themselves. So even the churches, as they can't meet those needs of their own people, feel really disempowered. And and that's the the sense that I get everywhere I go. People are hopeless about the possibility that this could take place, that we could work together in unity. The churches today, they, they all convey the same thing. The church pastors like, can we can we really do this? We've tried this before. Is this is this possible? They all realize that we're compelled by Jesus himself, his own words, to try it. But they're, they're afraid. The nonprofits are all working in silos, and their systems are uh, really self-contained, and they're fearful. There's a, there's a fear that there's a limited number of resources. There's a limited number of you that really care about what's going on in this area. And there's certainly just a tiny, uh, small, small number of people who are willing to actually give of their time to go and volunteer. 
and, and we know that that's not true. And so one of the things that's become helpful to me as I talk to them is I say, you know, let's not view this as a battleground where there's limited resources and there's people against us and all our colleagues are potential competitors and, you know, there's bombs and, and mines hidden everywhere or battleships. I like battleships better. Um, let's look at this differently. What if we view this as a playground? What if we view this as a place where all the resources are there for everybody and not all of them are the same, but everybody can have access to them and it's there for the good of everyone? And begin to change their mind frame. Uh, the nonprofit leader is there today. And convince her, let's start trying again. And every one of them, let's, let's try to do this. So what does that take? That takes time and relationship and building their trust. And that, that's what I want to tell you about how that's happening and how that's been happening. First thing I do is I've volunteered for most of them and just gone and learned about them. I can't be a secret shopper, um, although that was kind of the effect I was going for. But I'd go and serve them and then serve their people. And then also, strangely, um, <laughs> people have been led here. So I've, I've um, ha- um, had people... Uh, domestic violence uh, survivor with mental health and substance abuse issues who was homeless, who uh, was jobless, had a small check, that kind of thing. Um, we all wonder, what do we do in that situation? What, what's our response to that? And Heart for Winter Haven is about having that response, it's about having that network of care that understands how to navigate that and, to, and the commitment to do life on life. So that's what we say we're here, that, that our, the gospel is transformative, and we believed in the transforming power of the gospel, that Jesus and a relationship with him and life in the spirit is the way that all that other change is possible. And I believe that's true, too. We can't throw enough money at the problem to fix it, just like you can't throw enough bread up into the air at the beach to feed all the seagulls. It's just not going to happen. That's what's happening now, frankly. The churches have, um, we've, we've done that. We, we, uh, we feed people. We try to clothe people. We try to give people money the same way, um, forgive me, but the same way that the government does. We just hand it out based on need without that, building that relationship. And I think what, what Heart for Winter Haven, it, it's, first it's a heart. We have a heart for the people of Winter Haven to make that long-term commitment with people who are ready to be transformed by the power of the gospel. That readiness is a big question, and that's also a, uh, one of, I think, we'll need equipping, we'll need empowering, and, and we need these nonprofits who have done this a long time to be with us in that process. Um, in going forward, the volunteer summit that uh, Drew mentioned, um, bringing together the nonprofits of Winter Haven and, and community leaders and people of goodwill to ask them, to lock arms, to be a face of unity, of serving uh, people who are marginalized, who are vulnerable, and, and asking you and the people of Winter Haven to volunteer one hour a week or one hour a month for the next year to one of the organizations. Really what that accomplishes for me um, is it's serving the nonprofits, and it's also a demonstration of that, hey, it's possible we can start with this one thing. Let's accomplish that. From that, we, we see Heart for Winter Haven having a volunteer center, an actual hub with a person to help stream some of those needs, some of those events, and uh, connect them up. That's going to also require uh, the church connections because that's where most volunteers come from, are people of faith. Um, so that's part of it. 
the church partnerships, which we, we met about today, is a continue uh, to offer events and ways to build connections that's going to be meaningful. And so we're just starting that process. It's a kind of a long process. I think we laid a good foundation for knowing the landscape, for making connections in the community, um, and understanding really what the needs are and where the gaps are. I think that Heart for Winter Haven will begin to be able to fill some of those gaps as I, um, as we uh, can strengthen the the ministries after the churches and the uh, the ability of the nonprofits to not be so fearful. Um, they have taken on a uh, kind of a survival mentality, the same mentality of the people they're serving. They're just clawing for goods. They're just clawing for the resources that are here, and, and it, with that kind of battle, battlefield mind frame. So um, that's going to also be a long, uh, kind of a long process and long work. But uh, today was a great start. Today was uh, remarkable. We had new faces there. We had some old faces there. Um, had a bunch more who, because of the Martin Luther King luncheon and some hospital stuff and the flu, would have been there. Um, but it's, it's a great start for us in Winter Haven. And, and the nonprofit community is ready for it. They're a little bit kind of hanging back with their hands on their, across their chest, waiting to see if we can pull this off. And um, I believe we can. So um, hopefully that's been clear. Any questions? And Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, And uh, I'll I'll make that available to you. yeah, so if you've had a chance to look at the Heart for Winter Haven website, I'd rather than organize it by need, because I think that's a kind of a, a bad way to look at it, let's look at it by issue. And, and as you drill into each of those issues, trying to provide information about what our city is and then who's addressing those needs, um, it's not complete yet. So that, uh, Patrick Holliday has been a wonder at helping me get that, as says Josh Netterveld, and, and that is coming on. That's part of the work. The Volunteer Center will also be um, web-based so that people can go on and see what the needs are. And we'll be able to highlight some. There'll be a front page in which, like, you know, so Church of Redeemer is having a big, uh, you know, whatever, uh, Mercy Drive and, you know, or event at Elbert School, and they need 50 volunteers, and we'll be able to get that out. But, and I think the difference is it'll be people, um, it hasn't worked in other places because we've relied too much on technology, but it, it really, it's so simple. It really is about the relationships. Um, the other stuff is just assistive, um, but I can, I can get you all that information. We've got some good works. Um, I would say about 90% of them are relief-based. They're, they're about relief. Very little is about development, about jobs, about family stability. That's almost off people's radar, and that's wrong. I mean, one of the things that I really feel uh, strongly about is, uh, and I, I try to work, move people towards an issue of, of working with, towards family stability instead of just stabilizing that kid, teaching that kid, or that old person, or whatever. Let's, we need to think, how, I think, more how God compels us to think. But, uh, other questions? Sorry. Does anybody else ever have that discomfort of wanting to know what to do, where to go, 
Is that something that you hear about? I mean, is that something you feel? Yeah, I, it, it does bother me, too. And, I, you know, I've been doing this for a while. My, my background, for those who don't know, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And um, I've done nonprofit management, and particularly in the mental health and substance abuse realm, but with um, homeless veterans who are living out in the woods for 30 years, and, and I've been able to see them in some of my experience come into fully integrated in society with uh, stable lives and a high quality of life. I think that's really, we need to shoot for that. And, and, and the spiritual development being the biggest part of that. I think we're ready for that. And that's, that's also part of what I'm doing as I go around and talk to nonprofits is just to be, be able to act as a consultant. Today, one of the things I asked the church uh, pastors was, um, let, you know, let me in. If you'll just let me into your life and the life of your church to, to help you where you, maybe you feel stuck as it comes to relating to some of those issues. And, and that's, that's a big part of what I think we can do. I think Heart for Winter Haven will never have to be a big thing. Um, but uh, I think for now we need somebody championing that. And I'm that person right now. Um, and I'd like, to, I'd like to walk this out just as long as uh, God and God lets me. And, uh, so, thanks. Um, but I, just so that you know, we need to finish, I know, but um, uh, in case I didn't communicate this, but the, our, our desire um, for Heart for Winter Haven was not that it be a ministry associated with Church of the Redeemer. The reason for that is, is because it's a hard sell to other churches in the city if it's a Church of the Redeemer ministry. Does that make sense? So our, I mean, we are trying, this is a gift we are trying to give to our city. We are trying to be tremendously generous on the front end uh, and live by faith, believing that that generosity will pay off, not knowing whether or not, I mean, ultimately. So so we had a family in the church give a, a good sum of money to fund the startup for Brad. Uh, we we have housed the, the finances for this thing, and we'll continue to do so. Brad's starting to get 501c3 status. He's creating a board of directors. They will become their own 501c3 that will be... Uh, affiliated with us but not associated with our church because we want this to be a citywide inter-church ministry. Does that make sense? So we are doing all of the work on the front end. We're doing all of the funding on the front end uh, to then be able to give it away to our city. And I really believe, uh, I just believe God would be pleased with that. Um, But we do need help with that funding. And so uh, Brad is at a place where he does need to start raising funds. And we need partners who will say, I'll commit year after year to helping keep this thing going. Uh, and so we, he's going to be coming around, I think, some and talking. But if, if this strikes a chord with you, talk with him about that because we, that's, the, that's the one thing, that's the one barrier is to keep him funded so that he can continue because it's a long, slow work. And so we do have some need for that that we're obviously going to bring before you on Sunday. But thanks, Brad. It's great, great work.